With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Syndicate Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada Shen is traveling this week. First, the news. China's large oil refiners are facing uncertainties after a drone attack in Saudi Arabia halved the country's supply of crude oil, company sources and analysts told Caixin. Saudi Arabia is the largest source of China's crude oil imports, with state-owned giants Sinopec and China National Petroleum Corporation the dominant buyers. The weekend attack, which damaged most light crude oil facilities in the Desert Kingdom, has prompted the two Chinese firms to swap some of their crude to heavier grades, which yield less gasoline and other fuels, sources told Caixin. A FedEx pilot was temporarily detained in southeastern China after authorities found hundreds of air gun pellets in his luggage prior to boarding a commercial flight to Hong Kong, marking the delivery firm's latest setback in the country. The pilot, who was held in the city of Guangzhou, was later released on bail, and the company is working with relevant authorities to understand the facts better, U.S.-based FedEx said. FedEx has been under particular scrutiny in recent months after telecom giant Huawei said documents it asked to be shipped from Japan to China were instead diverted to the U.S. without authorization. In another incident, FedEx said it mistakenly rejected a package containing a Huawei phone being sent to the U.S. from the U.K., a claim China rebuffed. Aircraft manufacturer Airbus plans to launch on-demand helicopter services in China's Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area for short-distance urban trips. Some of the flights may eventually be piloted by unmanned helicopters, the company said. Airbus's helicopter manufacturing arm is the first foreign firm to have established an assembly line in China. But it's not the only company interested in on-demand air trips. Earlier this month, well-known domestic carmaker Geely agreed to invest $55 million in German flying car developer Volocopter to beef up the latter's research capabilities and turn its airborne taxi project into a commercial reality within three years. Chinese investigators are in Thailand looking into the sudden death of a male panda, which has provoked nationalistic outrage on Chinese social media. The Chinese consulate in Bangkok confirmed the death of Chuang Chuang, the panda, last week, with local media reporting he had collapsed shortly after eating a meal of bamboo. No cause of death was given. 
China said its researchers would work with counterparts at the Chiang Mai Zoo, where Chuang Chuang was held, to determine the cause. Chuang Chuang, who celebrated his 19th birthday in August, had been on loan to the Chiang Mai Zoo since 2003, along with partner Lin Hui. The pair were part of China's so-called panda diplomacy program, which loans out pandas for a span of 10 to 15 years for joint research and breeding efforts. The agreements are often used as diplomatic gifts and as a gesture of goodwill. And Chuang Chuang's initial 10-year loan was extended for another decade in 2013. China's mobile game developers have steadily restored revenue growth this year from a sharp slowdown last year. During a government suspension of new title approvals, mobile game revenue rose 22% year-on-year in the first half of this year, reviving from 12% growth in the same period last year. Although that was still less than half of the 50% gains over previous years, the number of new monthly active users also showed faster growth, reaching 700 million by the end of June. Authorities halted approval of new games for nearly nine months last year, as part of efforts to rectify the online game industry and battle addiction among young people. Approvals have resumed, but regulators are limiting the number of new game approvals in a bid to enhance quality control. Chinese tech giant NetEase will build its third pig farm as the government vows to boost domestic pork production in response to the African swine fever epidemic. The online gaming and e-commerce company signed a cooperation agreement with the municipal government of Shaoxing in Zhejiang Province to build a pig farm that will produce half a million hogs a year. NetEase entered into pig farming in 2009 and built its first pig farm in 2012 in Zhejiang and a second in the southeastern province of Jiangxi. China's pig farmers have been hit hard by the deadly African swine fever, for which there is no cure or vaccine. The number of pigs in the country has dropped by more than a third from the previous year. Meanwhile, the average pork price has surged by 50% year on year, the fastest pace in more than eight years. In response, the Chinese government has issued a series of measures to boost pork production, including increased subsidies to support the construction of large farms. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Managing Editor Doug Young to chat about another story in the week's news—a fun story about the happiest place in the world, or the happiest place there in China, anyway. What is the story there, Doug? Yeah, this is the Disney here in China. I'm in Beijing, but the the one in Shanghai opened probably like four years ago now, so it's been open for a little while, and it's it's hugely popular, as as you would expect. But one of the quirks of this Shanghai, and it's really not a quirk to be honest, but one of the features of the Shanghai、uh, Disneyland is that they didn't let people bring in their own food. Now, you know, if you're a Westerner like you or me, you know that this is actually quite common.、Uh, restaurants don't let you bring in your own food. They certainly don't let you bring in your own wine. Theaters don't let you bring in your own food, whatever. But to Chinese, this is actually quite an an alien idea. You'll go to Chinese restaurants all the time, and you'll see people, you know, bringing in their own snacks and and consuming. You know, you'll I'll be in my favorite coffee shop, and someone will be drinking a Starbucks, like you know, as if it's no big deal. And and to them, it really is no big deal. Uh, so it's it's a very different culture, but anyhow, so Disney had had really stuck by its guns and said no outside food in the park. You know, there's a very real reason for it. There's a reason the restaurants do it too, is because they want to sell their own thing. They're they're paying a lot of money to set up this park. 
and blah, 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 you know, they want you to buy their food. And, and the Chinese, of course, were looking at the Disney prices and saying, wait a second, why am I paying twice as much for, uh, you know, a couple of noodles here as I could outside? So getting back to the story, uh, Disney has just come under constant criticism for not allowing people to bring their own food into the park. And, and there was actually a lawsuit involved by someone who was, you know, so outraged that they took the time to file a lawsuit. And bottom line is Disney finally said, okay, we'll let you bring food into the park. And, and this was like uh, greeted with all kinds of cheers online. And, you know, people are saying, finally, we can take our own food. And, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty big news in, in Shanghai. And it, it even really made headlines around the country. And it, it really does show sort of this cultural, I, I call it a cultural difference, I guess, how things are different and, and, you know, how important it is for companies like Disney to sort of listen to the public views and, and take them to heart. So what we see here is is not a case of Chinese conforming to Western or, or global norms, but uh, rather a Western company that's bowing to the pressure of, of Chinese consumers. Is, is that right? Yeah, basically. And it's interesting. Yeah, they, they you know, and, and companies do this all the time. They, they do localize a bit. But, you know, that said, the, the concessions is a, a huge money earner for them. You know, you pay whatever 40, 50 bucks to get into the park, but then you probably spend, you know, another 20 bucks on, on overpriced food. So, you know, it's the same deal with movie theaters. They, they make a ton of money on the popcorn rather than the actual ticket sales. So, so Disney was doing that. Yeah, the concessions, as in you make concessions, kind of like China did after the defeat in the First Opium War. Anyway, but but there were a couple of caveats to Disney's giving in. Uh, what were those? Yeah, this is sort of a funny little postscript to the whole thing. Uh, so Disney said they were finally going to allow it, but they did add a few forbidden items that, that could not be brought in, which sort of gives you a nice little bird's eye view of the kinds of food that the Chinese will bring into theaters or theme parks or wherever, given the chance. And so there were, I think there were four or five things they said are not allowed. And for me, I thought the funniest one was this this stuff, uh, it's called fermented tofu, but uh, foreigners often call it stinky tofu. And it, I mean, it just, it smells really bad. Uh, although actually, I sort of like it. But uh, a lot of people think it smells awful. Uh, and so that's been officially put on the banned list. Then another stinker that made it onto the band list was uh, durian, which uh, I don't know if many of our listeners know about durian, but it's it's certainly a big fruit down in Southeast Asia, and it's become quite popular in China, but it really is a very, very stinky fruit. But some people swear by it. Some people just love it. So that was a, a second thing. Then third thing, which probably left some people scratching their heads, was watermelon is not allowed. But that's also quite a popular summertime snack here. Um, my guess is maybe they were worried about people spitting seeds all over the place. And also watermelon rinds tend to uh, maybe not make their way into the trash can and litter up the park. Then the last two were, were sort of in a related category. Uh, one was instant noodles, which is just, I can sort of see it, why they're saying this, because instant noodles basically require hot water. So, you know, I can just see people bringing in their own little hot water kettles and looking around for electrical outlets so they can heat up the water and make their little thing, and it just, just makes a, a big mess. And then the last thing was just anything that requires its own heating. And again, I think it's sort of the same way. The Chinese, again, you can see from all these things that, that Chinese have slightly different 
picnicking habits than maybe we would do in the in the West. Although watermelon probably falls into Western picnicking, but people do probably tend to refrain from bringing real stinky, pungent stuff, especially in crowded areas. And, and you certainly would never bring something like instant noodles into a movie theater or a Disney park in the West as well. So that's the postscript to there. Disney is allowing food into the parks, but with exceptions. So pack your lunch if you're going to Shanghai Disney, but take note of the banned items. I'm going to just buy the, the overpriced food, man. That's, I'm too lazy to do otherwise. Not me, man. I'm going to start lobbying AMC Theaters, which, by the way, is owned by a Chinese company. And uh, maybe they're going to start letting me bring in my own popcorn. And maybe Paris Disney is going to start letting you take in cheese and sausages and baguettes and maybe even wine. Anyway, talk to you next time, Doug. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. Thanks, Doug. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca network, especially our brand new Strangers in China. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SubChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.